Today on The Topping Show, Vivek goes on Larry Crowder to discuss the power of BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. Ron DeSantis' pro-Israel tweet is his most viral yet. Vivek on Larry Crowder to discuss trimming of the FBI. Rick and Morty Season 7 launches with new voices after firing the co-creator. Henry Ford's grandson, who is the current Ford chairman, speaks out against UAW. GM to delay the EV truck production until late 2025. Thermo to buy Olin for $3.1 billion. And Ford announces a new recall due to a drive shaft that may break and leave you stranded. All that much is for on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their final release twice a day. I gotta say it's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October, so if you could click that button, I'd greatly appreciate it. Now going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Ford Executive and Chairman Bill Ford speaks out breaking the norm in regard to the UAW strike, telling them to target the Japanese companies such as Honda and Toyota. Now, Bill Ford is actually the great-grandson of the founder, Henry Ford. And Bill joined the board of directors in 1988 and has served as chairman since January in 1999. Now, while Ford did go through IPO, aka the initial public offering, in 1956, the Ford family, because of the specialty Class B shares, still retained 40% of the voting rights. So even though you don't see their name every day in the newspapers or they're not the CEO of the company, they still have a pretty big say in terms of the direction of where the company goes. Now, it looks like Ford actually pleaded with the union members and leaders to work out with the company and go, instead of going against them and to reach a tentative deal to, quote, end this acrimonious round of strikes. And it looks like Bill's been a part of the UAW negotiations specifically since 1982. So he's, he's not exactly new to the game, so to say. He's understand the situation for quite some time. This is the first time in my lifetime there's been such a contentious relationship between the union and the automotive manufacturers. Well, subsequently, probably before is when they actually caused the bankruptcies of both GM and Chrysler. And to be clear, they're the partial causes, not the main causes of bankruptcies. Let's just say the benefits they want will literally cripple the companies again. Now, Bill Ford is usually, again, not in the newspapers, and when it comes to these negotiations, they're usually not front and center making public announcements and kind of the antithesis of Trump in terms of their politics. They're very much quiet, closed behind doors, the Ford family. And especially with this contract negotiation where emotions are high, the rhetoric is at all time high, and there's a lot at stake. It could literally kneecap the automotive manufacturers. Now, some might think that's not a fair metaphor because I'm comparing them to the mob. Some might. But nevertheless, their current ask, or their current, they still want, I believe, 30% pay raise in addition to getting paid to work 40 hours a week, but only actually work 32 hours a week. Oh yeah, and then they want their pensions back, not retirement, cost of living adjustment, and a myriad of other things that, even before the contract negotiation, they were already paid the most in the industry. So... The cost is the highest, but the performance is the least. And when I say performance, I also am talking about the actual reliability of the vehicles. 
And granted, some might say that's because the parts are not the best quality in the engineering. Well, part of the reason that the parts are perhaps less quality is because the cost of labor being absorbently high. Now, in terms of his statements, Mr. Ford said, quote, we are at a crossroads. Choosing the right path is not just about Ford's future and our ability to compete. It's about the future of the American automobile industry. Now, it looks like before his presentation, he actually told reporters he wanted to elevate the conversation about the contract negotiations. And he said he didn't want to get personal in his remarks because, quote, it doesn't matter, quote, at this point. He continued to say, quote, the UAW's leaders have called us the enemy in these negotiations, but I will never consider our employees as enemies. This should not be Ford versus UAW. It should be Ford and the UAW versus Toyota and Honda and Tesla and all the Chinese companies that want to enter our home, unquote. So not exactly the best look in terms of trying to perhaps best definition of deflecting the conversation. Well, Toyota and Honda, it's a whole different culture in terms of their work environment, but they have a lower cost of labor and a more reliable product. That's not good. And when it comes to Tesla, their employees are the antithesis of a union. They're actually incentivized to work hard and be productive with the company giving them stock options. I don't know if the UAW is demanding, actually take that back. They are not currently demanding that. Negotiation with this is changing on a seemingly minute basis, but that would be a good example of a win-win, some might say, because you're giving them more of a vested stake in the company in addition to the performance bonuses that they traditionally get, but they would also have a vested interest to work harder. Would they actually want that? I'm skeptical. I've had family members on both sides of the union, and many of the anecdotal experiences and the stories I hear kind of reinforce the theory that unions just, they protect people who are not performing, let's just say that much. Now, in terms of the commentary from the UAW leader, Mr. Sean Fain, who, in terms of being a politician, he's doing exactly what the UAW members want. Even before this whole strike started, they actually voted and they said, hey, do you guys want to strike? And they all wanted to. So it's not surprising that they asked for the moon and beyond, which would, again, literally bankrupt the companies. And they're just going to strike for a while because, again, it's good politics for them. Kind of like a divorce attorney. They have to justify their existence by causing conflict. Now, his response was, quote, Bill Ford, and again, this is a Sean Fain, who's current president of the UAW, making well over six figures, estimated between $250,000 and $300,000. And hilariously and ironically enough, he wore a shirt that says, Eat the Rich. Perhaps he's the uncle of AOC. Now, he said, quote, Bill Ford knows exactly how to sell this strike. Instead of threatening to close the rogue, he should call up Ford CEO Jim Farley, tell him to stop playing games and get a done deal, or we'll close the rogue for him, unquote. It's not the UAW and Ford against foreign automakers. It's automakers everywhere against corporate greed. If Ford wants to be an all-American company, then they can pay wages and benefits. Workers at Tesla, Toyota, and Honda are not the enemy. They're the UAW members of the future, unquote. <laughs> no. No, they are not. Because, again, Tesla employees want to work hard and be incentivized for working hard. So, you can't, again, they always want, it seems like people always want the upside. They never want the risk. When it comes to Tesla employees, they love being non-unionized because they get to negotiate their contracts individually based on their performance and their metrics. Which again, if you don't perform, then of course you would want to have a union with a big agreement to pay everyone the same rate. But they also have the big incentive of the stock options. So again, you can't ask for, it doesn't make any logical sense to get everything and have no downside. So yeah, the Tesla employees do not want to be unionized because they would lose their stock options. 
and the cost would go up and it makes them even less competitive. So interestingly enough, it says that Ford did not threaten to, this is uh, continued from CNBC, Ford did not threaten to close the road complex in his remarks. He did mention if American car makers such as Ford lose competition, the jobs and future investments and factories, quote, like the one there we are today will be lost, unquote. Which again, makes sense. And it is interesting that the UAW is attacking Ford so venomously, when historically speaking, Ford has given the UAW more than most in terms of the automotive community in the big three, but they've also have a greater number of employees who are members of the UAW. But again, is perhaps the best example of biting the hand that feeds. Now in terms of the breakdown of the employees who are affected, that we're talking about in terms of the strike specifically with Ford, it looks like more than 17,000 of Ford's 57,000 UAW members are currently impacted by the strike. And it's hilarious that CNBC tries to, again, framing is a fascinating mechanism when it comes to news and reporting. CNBC says, oh yeah, they're, they're currently impacted by the strike. Well, that, that almost makes it sound like they're the victim. They're impacted by it. Don't forget, they chose this. And the game paid $500 per week to stand with a sign and drink. I can guess what the insides are coolers. I dare not on this show. We're going to keep it family friendly somewhat. But $500 a week to strike? That's a pretty sweet deal. And that's probably also why the strike is going to end soon. Again, they have a slush fund between estimated $820 and $850 million in the bank for the W to actually pay people to not work for the strike. So it is interesting. CNBC is like, oh yeah, they're, they're impacted by the strike. They chose the strike. And it looks like they have more in, uh, they note that another 2,480 2, employees have been laid off because of the work stoppage, which again, they caused. When you have a partial plant shutdown where the UAW is like, all right, especially this is a good use case, the one that's perhaps most well known maybe because of the name, the Ford Bronco, when the UAW did a partial strike where they just paid a few people not to work, they took employees out of the, I believe it was the assembly, the final assembly, as well as the paint departments in that specific factory. Well, apparently Ford isn't prudent enough to cross-train employees, and that made it so they couldn't finish the product. So if you can't finish the product, why keep the factory open? Is that at all logical? And I know a lot of these people aren't thinking about, well, how, how does this actually impact the business? What's their perspective? I mean, what's the ripple effect? And it's not just UAW, a lot of people in general usually are kind of thinking of one ver single variable analysis and they're not looking at all the different things that go into the equation. But yeah, it makes sense they would shut down those factories. Of course they would. It'll be interesting to see, looks like about 23% of UAW members are currently on strike. And Sean Fain did say that they are going to enter a quote unquote new phase of targeted strikes and it would no longer pre-announce the work stoppages as it previously had. So they're going to be surprise tactics. Guerrilla warfare. But again, Sean Fain is doing exactly what the union members want him to do. That's why they elected him to cause conflict and to ask for so much that would literally bankrupt the company. That was the original ask. Was valued between 80 and $100 billion over the course of the four-year contract. Now... They have a couple of interviews where they actually go around, they talk to a couple of these union members, and again, they're all overwhelmingly in support of Sean Fain. So it is very interesting. I think this does highlight 
Ford is at the end of what they can afford to offer the AW. And when I say Ford, I mean the company as well as the family member, but he's never spoken out like this before. It's very unusual, a very unusual use case to say the least. Let me know in the comments, do you think they're at the end of what they can offer? Again, they're getting, when's the last time you got more than a 3% raise year over year? And they're, and again, the last, the offer is changing all the time, but it seems like part of the current proposal from Ford was a 23% wage increase, which again, no one, that's unprecedented. They're already paid some of the highest wages of the industry and they're getting a 23% wage increase. And now, I mean, a Ford F-150 truck costs six figures plus by the time you actually add wheels and tires to it. Again, I feel like they're, the market of who can afford these vehicles are decreasing more and more. It'll be interesting to see what happens from here, but I think this is a signal that Ford can't make additional fiscal additions to their offering. I don't know if there might be other non-financial things they can add that the UAW value to the current proposal, but let me know in the comments. This is pretty unprecedented. Do you think this does signal that Ford can't afford to make a greater of an offer? Because again, as Bill Ford is also saying, it's going to take away their ability to actually invest in the future of Ford as well. And again, it's hilariously ironic the UAW is worried about inflation and EVs when they're the people who voted for the politicians and paid to get the politicians elected who are forcing those actions up down their throats. And it's one of those things where Ford's going to go full EV. That's what they think the future is. Consumer demand is fleeting, I'd say, to say the least. But they're going to have to pay a lot of money if they really want to revamp all those factories, all those things, construct all those new battery factories. It's going to be a huge endeavor. It's not going to be cheap. So I'll be interested to see. Let me know in the comments. Be fascinated to hear what you have to say. Other interesting business news. You have GM to delay their EV truck production at the Michigan plant until 2025, which is it's heartbreaking. All six of those customers or prospective customers are going to have their hearts broken. You have to wait a couple more years to get a GM EV truck. Dear God, what, 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 what will people do? Oh yeah, there's, there's only six people, maybe five. It's one of those things where GM is very late to the game for the EV pickups, which I think is already a, I don't know how big that market is to begin with in terms of the first market is already Rivian. A lot of the early adopters who wanted the EV pickup, which again, makes no sense to begin with because you can't tow with it, which is the main point of a truck with the current battery technology and EV technology you have now, new technology may very well come tomorrow. That's the fascinating thing about EV and technology is that it moves so quick, but Again, with the current set of technology we have, EV trucks are just glorified toys at the moment. Can't really use them as a truck. Now, it looks like GM claimed that they said that the change is to, quote, better manage capital investments and implement improvements in an effort to make new EVs more profitable, unquote. Which I would hope and think that this means they're going to make a lot more robots for that factory because their cost of labor, highest in the industry, it's going to go up exponentially with the UAW strike. No matter what the final agreement is with the UAW, it's going to be a greater number than previously. Even though pretty much every industry is laying people off left and right. So if you tune into the show on a daily basis, it's a big theme. Just yesterday, you had a link, a LinkedIn did layoffs. You had, which again, that's a big company. They have plenty of cash. It's Microsoft. So if they're worried about the economy, you sure as heck think everyone is. You also have Qualcomm, which is a huge semiconductor manufacturer. 
You have Rivian bleeding through capital. They're actually, their stock crashed by 23 to 25% because they need to go out and raise more money. You have Lucid, same thing. All these all oil companies are starting to get kneecapped. Some might say it's not appropriate to use that term or that, that metaphor because some might imply the UAW is similar to the mob. Ridiculous to say the least. I, I don't know who would ever make that comparison. Now, in terms of in January 2022, GM did announce they would invest $4 billion into to convert the Orion assembly plant to EV trucks. And the plant was expected to be its second U.S. assembly plant to exclusively produce EVs. Which again, if you're a shareholder, they make a lot of money from making a good old-fashioned V8 internal combustion engine, as the youth might call it. Well, maybe old school might call it. It's hard to say what the youth want to walk. It's hard to say what the youth is really into these days. A lot of them are really big in the Teslas. Which again, GM wants to compete with Tesla. That's going to be a fascinating thing in and of itself if they could realistically do that. Now, it looks like in terms of statements, they said, quote, General Motors today confirmed it will retime the conversion of the Ryan assembly plant to EV truck production to late 2025 to better manage capital investment with aligning the rounding the evolving EV de- demand. In addition, we have identified engineering improvements that we will have implement to increase the profitability of our products, unquote. Again, I don't know how much demand there is for an EV Chevy pickup truck. It, it, don't get me wrong, there's probably demand there. It's just, is it three people or is it six people? I mean, that that's really the multi-billion dollar question that they're gambling upon. It very it very well, and again, I'm not a doctor, but if you click subscribe, it might help with stuttering. Maybe. Might be a good use case. But it very well may be profitable in the long term. It took Tesla years to make a profit because, again, you have to, it's a big upfront investment for all automotive companies, especially EV companies because they're basically a tech company. So the real question is, will GM survive the transformation when they still have, I believe it's like 85, they have billions of long-term debt. Similarly, there's a lot of parallels to the General Motors and the U.S. government, interestingly enough. Work ethic about the same, I'd say. But... It'll be interesting to see they have all this long-term debt and the UAW, which again, GM wants to compete with Tesla. I don't see it happening anytime soon. Let me know in the comments if you think it's realistic. And then do you think it will be a financially successful thing to make EV trucks? When again, the competition's already there. They're already hitting, hitting the streets, so to say. And Ford just announced a huge sales cut to their forecast to the Ford F-150 Lightning a couple of days ago. So, and Ford makes the best-selling truck in America by the number of units sold. The F-150 or the F-Series is as American as apple pie or basketball? No, baseball. Sports balls. And light beer, perhaps. Something like that. But it'll be interesting to see if they actually make a profit on that long-term. As I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have Thermal Fisher to buy Olin for $3.1 billion. Jeez Louise. Again, I don't give financial advice, but I'm kicking myself for not just putting some money in the stock market one of these days. Though the ultimate gamble is to just gamble on yourself and start a small business or reinvest into your business if you own one. Much more exhilarating, you have a little more control than the stock market. But nevertheless, it looks like Thermal Fisher Scientificate will acquire OnLink Holding AB in a deal valued at $3.1 billion, the company said earlier this week, as the U.S. medical equipment maker seeks to boost its life sciences portfolio to help uh, drugs discovery. The deal lifted Olings U.S. listed shares by nearly 67%, while shares of 
shares of Thermco Fisher were down 1%. Thermo Fisher has been struggling with the softening demand for life sciences offering, which include the discovery and production of new drugs and vaccines, as bi biotech co companies and clients face a funding crush. Which again, every business is, a, is in trouble in the United States. They're bolstered by free cash flow for years, aka basically 0% interest loans. Now that those things are no longer a thing, you have record high interest rates, a lot of companies are having to start to show how profitable they are, not just how big they are. Which is why can't you see the whole transformation in the social media companies, which back in the day used to be just a metric of the shareholders asking how many users you have. Well, that's great. Now they're asking what's your ROI? What's the actual return on investment? How many active users do you have? How many real users do you have? So every company is starting to tighten their belt, which is quite a challenge in itself because these companies are based in the United States where the belts are copiously big, so to say. So it'll be interesting to see how this affects the two companies. And gosh darn, a stock jump of 67%. Some folks over there, I'm sure, are happy as can be. Now going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Rick and Morty, Stevenson 7 trailer being lambasted and ratioed, as the youth might say, and their approval rating is down 40%. That's... Uh, Again, I know public schools are all-time low in terms of every metric of, you know, testing, whether it's history, math, or science, partially because the teachers actually are teaching many ideologies and actually mathematics these days. So, needless to say, we'll do a little fun math here today. 40% approval rating is terrible. That means less than half of people do not approve of this new production, which, again, less than half is not good. Many would say the glass is technically, in fact, half empty. Or a little bit more than half empty, actually. Some people call them pessimists, but that's just technically it is a thing. Now, this comes after they fired the co-creator and main voice actor, Justin Rowland, after he had allegations against him for some of the most morally depraved things you can do with the women. Now, thankfully, he was proved innocent in court. So it appears that it was a false accusation. And, of course, unfortunately, the United States, there used to be a place where people are you know, proven innocent, or innocent to proven guilty. Unfortunately, now you have quite the antithesis. You are guilty day one, and maybe someday people will remember you were acquitted. So, unfortunately, the opposite has happened. And in terms of the trailer, they tried, apparently they tried for six months to get new voice actors, and this was the best they can do. Now, Morty sounds pretty close. I'll give him that much. But... This voice actor for Rick, I don't know if this person just never heard the show before or they just had no practice or um, it boggles my mind how bad it is. So we'll play the, the season seven trailer and this one, it's only about a minute 30, but it'll let you hear the new voices of Rick and Morty, which, yeah. Hey, look, Morty, I'm a leg. A leg, Morty! Any progress? I found the version of me that killed my wife. You just missed it. Can I ask if you're currently a hologram? Yeah, yeah, hold on. One sec. Do we know anyone sober? Have you been drinking? On a Thursday? Society take to collapse. Let's find out. It's almost 
as if they had cotton in his mouth for some of these scenes. Like, and he hasn't burped once, which is kind of part of the ironic, not the ironic, the iconic part of his voice is he's a cliche drunk scientist. So, usually in the majority of dialogue, it seems as if he's burping. Which, again, you're almost halfway through this preview, you're not hearing that, kind of the trademark thing. Now that does sound pretty much like Morty. And again, Justin Rowland did a bunch of the voices. You see this with a lot of creative anime and a lot of startups. When you have a very limited number of resources, well, a lot of people have to wear multiple hats, which is part of the excitement of working with small businesses or starting small businesses. There's a lot of opportunity because of those gaps in the talent pool or just the gaps in the company. You gotta fill them in organically yourselves. You saw this with The Simpsons where you had original voice actors to cover a myriad of roles. Who's ready for Rick's famous spaghetti? I said I was sorry. No, you didn't. I said it quietly. Shut up. Dad, you had a job interview, right? Found it. Whose car is this? Whose sunvisor is this? What's the sun? I was wondering if you could help me out with a bit of a rake situation. A rake situation? <laughs> That last one was just for shock value. What do you say, Rick? Can fly through space? Come upon something? Maybe I have a moral objection? Rick and Morty, we're back, baby! Rick and Morty. So that was the trailer, and again, the, the Morty voice was pretty good. That was pretty on point. I mean, never once did I really think that the Rick voice was him. And again, when it comes to entertainment, that's terrible. You're removing the audience from the situation because in their head, they're thinking, this isn't right. This isn't what I'm used to. You're breaking the illusion of being inside and being a part of the experience, being a part of the material. And again, it's almost as if someone was scratching their fingernails against a chalkboard. What? This is kind of, that's kind of how I felt when I was watching this. Like, just... Now, of course, it looks the same, thanks to the, it's the same animation crew, I believe, but it just sounds so weird. Now, this is on YouTube, thanks to the Nerdist, which, A-plus for marketing. You know they're nerds, and I appreciate that, and they posted a nerdy thing. Makes sense. Now, in terms of the feedback, it looks like they got 476 comments, and it's got about 182,000 views, although only 1,600 likes. Let me see here. It looks like, eh, looks like these are kind of mixed in terms of the feedback of people who, I mean, the main topic for all these comments is pretty much about the fact that the voices are different. Now, let's see here. Somebody named Brandon Grigsby said, quote, it's weird, like sometimes Rick sounds just slightly off, then he sounds spot on. Morty is right there. I'm ho. Either way, the new VAs are good to me as long as the writing is still solid. Can't wait, unquote. Got 446 likes on that comment. Now, I believe Justin, there's a lot of debate of when he stopped being a primary writer for the show. A lot of the articles I was reading saying that Justin Rowland, the co-creator and the voice actor for many of the act, uh, actual people in the, I was about to say film, they haven't made a movie yet, but in the actual cartoon. It sounds like after season three, Justin's participation in the writing had decreased. Now, it looks like someone by the name of Darth Sinister responded to that original comment saying, 
The writing should be si fine since it's the same team. Only time will tell. Which, they get an A plus for that saying, because that's a cool saying. I might be a little biased, though. We'll find out later. Time shall tell. Nevertheless, you have other interesting comments. Mr. Joe Justo saying, quote, I feel like I'm in another universe dimension hearing these Rick and Morty voices, unquote, getting 326 likes. Now you have someone who does appreciate the new voices. Mr. Vigo loves you. Saying, quote, I think the new voices fit just fine as long as the writing doesn't decline. It's easy to do a show like Rick and Morty, unquote, getting 237 likes. Let's see here. Some by name of Brent Loaf saying, quote, the voices are going to be very hard to get used to, though I'm glad that most of the time they're spot on. Can't imagine how hard it is to find to find someone that can imitate the voices exactly, so I'm not blaming them or saying that is all a bad thing. Honestly, just can't wait, unquote. Grammar be damned. It's find, not fine, nevertheless. Here, Suna9555 said, quote, Honestly, Rick and Morty generally sounded good, but you can definitely tell there's been a change around the edges, like when Rick laughs, rages, and raises his voice, while Marty's is noticeable when he slightly changes his voice overall, but I'd probably get used to it, unquote, getting 39 likes. Let's see here. Ah, someone did have the same conclusion I had. Vindu Tawari said, quote, Marty sounds pretty good. Rick, not enough burps, unquote, getting 77 likes with that comment. Now, in terms of the reason their score has dropped so precipitously with Rotten Tomatoes, now, in terms of the season breakdown, overall, they've been really good throughout the years. I mean, season one of Rick and Morty got 97%. Season two got 91%. Season three got 93%. Or no, 96%. Scratch that. Season 4 got 96% as well. Season 5 got 86%, went down a little bit. Season 6 was 91%. And Season 7 is in at 63%. I granted only a couple episodes have premiered. Now it looks like the tomato meter, which comes from the... I was going to say, does anyone really... I was about to say respectful reviewers. Does anyone really respect the, like a movie reviewer these days? Except this critique right now is perfect and awesome. Obviously. But now, nevertheless, the professionals, quote-unquote, their tomato meter is at 63%. The audience score, based on 100-plus ratings, 32%. That is on par with the number of Americans or the approval rating for U.S. government these days. Or perhaps a little bit higher. But nevertheless, that's not good. So let's just, Actually, there are a bunch of comments as well in terms of being fresh while it doesn't have a fresh rating they are fresh in terms of the comments are from today now let me see here someone by the name of blake and look we'll look at a couple of top comments here saying quote this isn't a good sign voice actors aside something was greatly lacking in this episode i don't it didn't feel very intelligently sci-fi like in the past and the jokes are kind of amateurs maybe the season needs some transition time but if it carries on like this episode i don't see the series going much longer Somebody of Gionix P saying, quote, why do all the voices sound different? Oh, that's right. The Fonz would be proud of that shark jump, unquote. Yeah, it's one of those things where, and actually, I forgot the number of characters. Now I'm curious, how many voices did Justin do? 
in Rick and Morty. Let's see. So what fandom say? Cause I'm curious, how many voices did he do? Oh, yeah. So let's count the number of voices that are now different because they fired the co-creator. And again, allegations day one, they fired him, Cartoon Network, and then later we found out in court, he's proven to be innocent. Now, it looks like he did the voice of Rick Sanchez, Morty Smith, Mr. Meesinks, Ricksty Minutes, which include Ans Oh, those are the those are the entertaining commercials they had within the show. So we'll do them all. We'll, we'll count all those voices in the commercials that they created in the show as well. So you got Rick Sanchez, Morty Smith, Mr. Meesinks, Ants in My Eyes Johnson, Gazoptoport, Baby Legs, Real Fake Door Salesman, Top Hat Jones, Albert Einstein, Mr. Poopy Butthole, Teddy Manson, Cromulans. You also have other commercials including Randy Dicknose, Eye Holes Man, Jan Michael Vincent, Steel Comedian, Michael Thompson, Michael Thompson, Octopus Man, Noob Noob, Truth Tortoise, Glare, Michael, Mr. Always to be Hunted, and Mr. Frundles. So how many is that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 voices gone. Or more accurately, the voice of 25 characters is gone. And granted, a couple of these were just not reoccurring every episodes, but kind of sporadic with their parody of these commercials they see on Alien TV. Mr. Ants in My Eyes Johnson suffering from a very real and very tragic medical condition in which he has ants in his eyes. Some might say this even more annoying than my stuttering. A debate to be had in the comment section today. So about 25 voices will be different. That's going to have a huge impact, of course. Let's see here. Someone by name of Alexander Case and quote, seriously dull, so disappointing, not only because of the unnecessary voice changes, but the writing is just awful. Literally no funny jokes, just nonsense. Someone by name of Honest D saying, quote, three episodes in and I have not found a single entertaining, cool or funny thing yet, unquote. Although for such a negative review, he did give more than one star. He gave them one and a half stars out of five. Why were you so generous with that half star, sir? I actually, I believe, can you do zero stars? You can, because a lot of these comments are half a star. Ooh, that's rough. Some by the name of Young D, again, saying, bring Roland back or the show is dead. Chris H saying, like the adult swim itself, the shell of once, this shell of a gr once great thing needs to be put out of everyone's misery, unquote. Andrew B. saying the new voice actors are terrible. The writing is brutal, very uninspiring and flat. Bring JR back. JR being Justin Rowland. Ryan D. saying Ian Cardoni and Harry Belvin have absolutely zero chemistry. The voices slip in and out on believability, making any sense of enjoyment hard to obtain. I think there is only one option that can save the series now, and it's Return of Rowland. Unquote. A lot of these comments saying just bring him back. Now, a couple of people do are positive because again, it's not a zero. It's thirty. What is it? Thirty-two. 
32%. So there are some people who do approve of it. There's some really US government. Some people think they're doing a great job. I've never met those people, but presumably they exist and they certainly do exist online because they're very loud there. Now, somebody named Seymour D saying, quote, I don't understand what everyone hates about this season so far. The new voice actors are doing a great job in their roles to the point where I can't even tell the difference. There's, there were, there were more, grammar's terrible. So I'm gonna read exactly what he says. There were more tons of great jokes in this episode too. The whole Hugh Jackman joke was so funny. Same as a predator joke. It was overall a great episode in a series that continues to be consistently entertaining, unquote. And he gave him five stars, interestingly enough. Now, some of the mid reviews include some by the name of Zach F saying, quote, has lost touch with the core material. Sci-fi adventures with a sloppy, high-functioning alcoholic genius and his grandson through the multiverse has turned into a pop culture portrayals with cinematic elements and slightly better animation, unquote. Now, interestingly enough, this isn't the first time there's been controversy around Adult Swim replacing voice actors and firing people. I think the best well-known example would be Squidbillies, which is a fascinating phenomenon in which you had squids who are hillbillies living on land, which, if you ask a U.S. public school, they might very well believe that to be scientifically accurate, that they can live on land. They can't, but nevertheless, is a show about squids living on the land, and the main voice actor was very recognizable. He had a whole, he was a country musician, he had a whole persona called, oh, uh, was it, no, what was it, Henson? Uh, let's see, now I've got voice actor, Unknown Henson, that's what it was. And it was a very iconic voice. It was very unique and everyone liked it. And then he said something political on the Twitter and of course, and interestingly enough, given his persona, and when he goes and plays musicians, he's dressed up in this persona. I guess he tweeted in the perspective of the persona he plays, but nevertheless, Cartoon Network subsequently canceled him and replaced the squid, the main squid's voice with, I think it was, a, what was his name? Voice actor, squid Billy's new. Tracy Morgan, which again, so they didn't even try to get close to the main voice actor. They went the exact opposite, basically. And the ratings precipitously crashed. Everyone in the comment section on social media was just lambasting the decision. And the show kind of lost its magic because you're, you're removing a core element that people fell in love with at the beginning. Now, with this rating being so low for Rick and Morty, again, Cartoon Network, that corp, that entity, I want to say it's on life support. When's the last time you heard of a hit show coming off of Cartoon Network? Probably the same odds of something like Fox, who produced that 70s show. Family Guy, Simpsons. In decades, those are the only three achievements you could easily point to at Fox News. Or, sorry, Fox is the studios. Which, again, they eventually failed so bad they sold it off to Disney, like everything. So, it's one of those things where Cartoon Network doesn't have a lot of hits. This is, again, kind of the very nature of media and publishing, very similar to publishing books. It's a numbers game. So you're hoping you find that needle in the haystack that really knocks out of the park and makes you just successful. As opposed to most of the books that are published, you lose money, fiscally speaking. Now, 
In this case, Rick and Morty, it was a huge cultural phenomenon in the United States. People loved that show. And subsequently, they made huge amounts of money off of all the merchandise they produced. Seemingly, they put their logo and their brand on everything, which again, is great for them. It was a huge achievement. They knocked it out of the park. They even had another show called, I believe, Solar Opposites, which was, I believe, it was exclusively on Hulu, but I believe it was the same co-creators as well, and knocked it out of the park. And because of this false accusation against the co-creator, Justin Rowland, he lost everything. So it'll be interesting to see, with all the information we have currently, will fans, will they write, I don't know if they're going to write petitions to Cartoon Network, will they just tune out completely? Will the corporate company behind it, will they be satisfied with the new, the quote-unquote new norm of, of adoption in terms of people who are tuning in? It could be like Bud Light, where the parent company is just fine losing 30% of their sales. It's kind of leveled off. So... It'll be interesting to see. Let me know in the comments. Are you going to stop watching Rick and Morty because of the voice swap? Or will you continue to tune in and kind of tolerate it? Let me know. Could you not tell when we went over the trailer that the voice was different? Again, to me, I think Morty is pretty close. But I would say the voice for Rick just... I don't know. It just didn't cut it, in my opinion. I think there are people who actually have really popular YouTube channels who do impersonations of Rick Sanchez, who, again, is a main act, um, character in Rick and Morty, but th that I can't believe Cartoon Network were just not prudent enough to hire them, because I've heard better impersonations just on the internet. So it'll be interesting to see. Let me know what you're thinking. I'd be fascinated to hear what you have to say. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek going out louder, Rick Crowder, and discussing the power of BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. And of course, as many things he does on them interwebs, or in this case Twitter, it went viral, getting about half a million views in a couple days. Which, not to brag, but the last time I tweeted, I did get 19 views for my Cigars and Cybersecurity event that my IT company is hosting. Again, if you're an IT leader in Texas, hope you can make it. Go to toppingtechnologies.com to learn about all the fun events that we host. Including events like shooting machine guns from helicopters. Which is perhaps one of the most awesome things about owning a small business unlimited creativity for unique events. Nevertheless, back to the core concept here. So Vivek did have a little blurb before the actual video. And again, if you do have suggestions for production software for video in video and video capture, where I can actually have the video shown above my shoulder and that way you can see both, I would greatly appreciate the suggestions. I've tried a couple, but I keep having issues. I've tried XSplit as a software, but with that with current camera I'm using is the Razer Kaizen, which is a 4K USB camera, and it just has keeps having issues. So if you do have suggestions, greatly appreciate it as we try to make the show better and better, and I know that's something people in the comments ask for, so I'm trying to figure out a mechanism how we can best get there. So the text before the speech, or the actual video, come from Vivek, he says, quote, BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard represent arguably the most powerful cartel in human history. They're the largest shareholders of nearly every major company even each other, and they are your own money to foist ESG agendas onto corporate boards, voting for racial equity audits, scope three emissions caps, and they don't advance your best financial interest. This raises serious fiduciary, antitrust, and conflict of interest concerns. As president, I will cut off the hand that guides the ESG movement, not the invisible hand of the free market, but the invisible fist of the government itself, unquote. And without further ado. 
these agencies, right? You're, you're targeting. This is uh, Gerald. He's the CEO, uh, publicly facing a CEO of Louder with Crowder. These guys. And look, I think it resonates a lot with what we talk about on the show. These are the yeah. same kinds of things that we talk about. You talked about BlackRock as well. So one of the companies, I don't know your exact connection to it, but Royvent, uh, Rovient. Right, is I that, founded it. Yeah. Right. So you founded that company. Is that something that you're still currently involved with? Heavily I stepped or off all stepped my stepped off. Yeah. I figured, okay. I so, have other candidates in this race. It's remarkable. People right. collecting, I think Nikki Haley, while running for president, is collecting stock options off some corporate board. That's That seems <laughs> unconscionable to it me. It seems a little but, bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. But so you mentioned BlackRock. So as, as far as my concern, you go after these agencies, they come after you. You go after Google, they come after you. You go after BlackRock. BlackRock just doubled their size of ownership in there. They, I, I think they went from 6 million shares to 12 million shares as of August. Are you worried these companies, these big investment firms out there, are going to try to get their hooks in financially and try to put pressure on you that way? Of course. How, I mean, how, do, you, how, do, you, but how do you plan for that? Well, so here's the way the game works. And so my, my most recent book, it's probably the most technical of the books, is Capitalist Punishment. It lays out exactly how this game is played. It's not if you're a public company, like let's say you take your company here public, which I would advise you not to do. No, absolutely. <laughs> but, but 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 many many firms do need to go public for a wide range of reasons. Yeah. You don't have a choice in terms of who owns your shares, and so it's automatic, right. it's programmatic that BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, and similar firms, through their index funds, because they're not even making investment decisions. Now, quick note on that: very similar to the Ford family. You can control who has the voting shares. So not to get too technical, but if you have your heart set on having your company go through an IPO, make sure you're delineating which shares do what. And depending on what your goals are, you can still have a remaining control of the company. But nevertheless, back to the video. Right. It's just that they have to they have to have broad exposure to the market. They will end up owning five, six, seven percent each, twenty-five percent, thirty percent collectively. And they're voting their shares in your boardrooms. Right. So even many of these CEOs who don't want to be adopting DEI policies or carbon emission policies or the goals of the Paris Climate Accords or condemnations of, you know, George Floyd's death or whatever that shouldn't be the business right. of companies, they're forced to do it. LGBTQIA plus hashtag dollar sign, dollar sign, whatever it is. Yeah, well, the dollar, the yeah. last that's, dollar sign is silent. silent. Yeah. Uh, silent. I see, yeah. I see, I see. So, so that's... But but pretty soon that made that BlackRock may decide that that's not silent exactly. anymore. In true. Which case, well, what they decide goes, yeah, yeah. So and I actually could give some specific details on this. It, when you said that, you're saying it as a funny aside. It's actually true. If you don't take Apple, the world's largest company by market capitalization, right? Yeah. We all know Apple. They were demanded by a fringe left wing group that held a few shares to adopt what they called the racial equity audit. At Apple. And Apple says, no, we don't want to do that. Now, I mean, this is not some sort of conservative company. Okay, Apple has, right, no. <laughs> is off the That accusation is never leveled but they don't. Them. But they don't, but the one thing, if you're Apple, you don't want to mess with is the talent in your engineering ranks, right? right. You want the best and brightest because that's how you're competing against the equivalents in other parts of the world. So they said, no, thank you very much. Nonetheless, that fringe group puts up this, I think it was called Color Us United, was the one of the nonprofits that supported No, not Color Us United. Colors United is a good one. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. I know that we covered it on the show. It's it's, it's some some Colors United is a good one. Yeah, it could be like Colors Are Us, whatever yeah, it is. Something it's, like that. Something like that. It yeah. was stupid. So, so it was stupid. But then BlackRock and State Street come in and say we're going to vote and support that proposal anyway. It gets majority shareholder support at Apple's shareholder meeting, such that Apple's management team and board then go back and adopt the racial equity audit. 
which again shows you the big concerns that come when you do an IPO and your company is now publicly traded. It's no longer your company's stakeholders company. So there's a lot more variables and this is a great example of what can happen in terms of the downside of losing control of the company. Now you don't have so much decision power on you know when it comes to what initiatives you do or do not perform and take on, which it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Now it looks like about half a million views and 4,527 likes on the Twitter or as 18 people call it X. Which, again, let me know in the comments. Have you ever referred to Twitter as X since Elon rebranded the company? Or, more accurately, perhaps, attempted to rebrand the company with a new name? I can't but think no. So let's go to the comments. I was going to say, I can't but think we're going to have overwhelming support in terms of Vivek's take. Which, again, the fact that that's not a t-shirt or a novelty mug that his campaign is selling like that, I mean... That's just a lost marketing opportunity. That's just a simple, brilliant idea. But that's just my three cents. It used to be two cents, but 40-year hyperinflation, thanks to the government printing more money than ever been printed before, that's, I should charge four cents, but that's just my three cents. Still free to click the subscribe button. However, going to the comments section, you have one of the top responses being Samuel. And he says, quote, investor representation is broken. Funds, custodians like BlackRock and Vanguard shouldn't have voting power. There ought to be a way for investors to allocate their portfolio's voting power to representatives of their choosing at any time, like how you can do with blockchains, unquote. Well, this person got 40 likes, interestingly enough, out of 5,000 views. Now, that being said, you can move your money around from Vanguard or BlackRock. I mean, it's just like any investment firm. If you want to move your, your money, you can. I suppose perhaps the interestity that he's talking about is when you have a lot of businesses where you have your comp let's say you work at a large computer company like cisco for example which is a huge networking company well they might choose to have their companies offered 401k exclusively through vanguard in which case if you want to do the company's plan where they'll match your 401k or they'll they'll do a certain percentage match of how much you put into it then you would have to so in that case i think he is correct in his idea of wanting to choose different representation However, if you're an independent contractor or own a small business or just a side investor, that's a hobby of yours or that's something you want to try out, then you can choose to move your money around. You can move it from investment firm to investment firm, or if you feel so inclined, you can file the necessary paperwork and start your own firm as well. So it'll be interesting to see. It's an interesting idea. I'm not sure how's that, how, how that would roll out in practice. Now, going down to other interesting comments, you have... Some by name of Be God saying, quote, true, but how would you break them? Tell me in simple, plain words, please, unquote. Getting 11 likes, which, again, Vivek is usually very articulate about how he's going to achieve the goals that he's setting out. And again, this is a short clip of an interview. I wonder what his ideas are to break up those companies because they're a monopoly or duopoly. I mean, it's not just one company. You Realistically, you do have three large investment firms, which are the three that they talked about. I wonder if it would be possible to break them up and then what would, what would consumer sentiment be about that or how would people feel? Would they be happy, elated? Would they protest that? Would it be a point of contention that maybe some people won't vote for him to be a Republican nominee because of that idea? Let me know in the comments what your thoughts on in terms of could the government and should the government break up those types of investment firms? Somebody by the name of Siege saying, quote, that's a lot of yeses, but nevertheless, quote, Yes, 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 yes. 
we need someone who understands this and can make positive changes so much. Yes, unquote. So they win the made-up award of the minute of using most yeses in a Twitter response. This person did get 21 likes, though. Let's see here. Some name of Akish said, quote, Some say that transparency and accountability are needed to ensure the financial industry's integrity, unquote. Getting four likes. Although, again, a lot of this is pub... I'm not sure how you go about it, but anecdotally speaking, a lot of this is public knowledge. When you hear about investment groups and investment companies pushing businesses in certain directions and voting in certain ways. But it'll be interesting to see if you could somehow, if you could increase the transparency without the, them perhaps losing competitive advantage against the other, against their competitors. Now, some people might argue they actually don't compete, kind of like cable companies where it's just, you just happen to only have one option when you move into an apartment or a house. And that's one ISP or internet service provider or cable provider. It's because they have little agreements that they won't compete because it's better for business, well, better for their business. Let's see. Sably Riley said, quote, how do I invest invest in other assets? My 401k is with Vanguard, unquote. She got one like. Well, again, you can move it around at any time. It's not overly complex. It is just kind of standard paperwork, just like how you could, if you don't want to use a particular bank in the United States, you can choose to close your account and move your money and assets to a different bank of your choosing. Let's see here. A lot of people saying... Oh, so you do have some pejorative responses. Usually, I want to say Vivek's feedback or the responses to his posts are, I want to say, 79% positive. Some by name of JB said, quote, just another Crowder interruptathon, unquote. Got two likes. Let's see here. A lot of people posting random stuff about the Israel-Palestine conflict or war. Uh, let's see here. A lot of meme. Oh, oh, geez. Okay, this is annoying. It's the same person. Jesus. Okay, same person just doing gifts. A lot of gifts. More random responses than usual. That's interesting. Like someone here just asked, saying, "I bet you can fight cartels. How much can you bench?" But again, if it is a physical physical conflict with the cartels, the amount of weight that you could bench press is perhaps a pertinent question, though, given the situation, not yet. Uh, a lot of people talking about how much BlackRock has gotten throughout the years. Uh, a couple, uh, one or two comments claiming that Vivek is a fraud. Deep state influence should not be underestimated, unquote, from the White Rabbit, getting three likes. And a bonus point for being a reference to The Matrix, which is one of the best films ever. Michael D. Vergarden saying, quote, yes, this is an important issue. None of the major issues can be solved without it, unquote. Getting ten likes. Somebody in a stock jock saying, quote, you're poking the bear. Does that scare you, unquote? Getting ten likes as well. Dr. Yaz saying, quote, he really is not part of the establishment, unquote. So, even though a couple of pejorative responses, interesting enough, a little less traction than usual in terms of the number of responses. But again, 
more, much more often than not, still very much in support of Vivek. Other interesting political news, you have Ron DeSantis' pro-Israel tweet goes viral, getting 3.3 million views, which is, that has to be a personal best for him. Now, he is, by most metrics, number two in terms of the Republican nominee. All the polling data has Trump way ahead of the competition. Then you subsequently have Ron DeSantis, and usually you have Vivek followed by Nikki Haley, and then somehow you still have Chris Christie usually pulling 2 to 3% on average. So... So pertinent to topic to color Ron DeSantis, he says, and this is a no video, but he does give you a lot of text. So we'll go through that today. And unfortunately, he doesn't have a very entertaining accent, Co. So I can't, you know, do a Trump accent or try to butcher it and hurt your ear balls, so to say. But nevertheless, I will attempt to read it without stuttering, which perhaps place your bets. We'll see if that could be a thing or not. Although if you click the subscribe button, it may cure my stuttering. There's no, you know, case studies or research on it yet, but perhaps we could find the cure today. Time shall tell. So, posted from Ron DeSantis, his personal account on the Twitter sphere, he says, quote, One of our greatest allies, Israel, has been attacked by terrorists funded by Iran, with over 800 Israelis murdered and 2,000 injured. The scenes of brutality are hard to watch, innocent men, women, and children, um, and the elderly. And we learned this morning that among the victims are at least nine American citizens killed and others likely missing or taken hostage. Hamas committed these acts of evil for two simple reasons. They hate the Jewish people and they are evil cowards. They are empowered by Joe Biden's appeasement of Iran and desire to ruin further normalization of ties within the Arab world with Israel. We must not only stand with Israel, but we must support them as they hunt down and eradicate these barbarians. Israel, with the full support of the United States, should kill Hamas members and extinguish their entire infrastructure. And right now, America must immediately do three things. One, freeze any money Joe Biden has made available to Iran. Two, cut off any and all types of foreign aid flowing to Hamas. And three, immediately shut down American wide open southern border to ensure we are in a position to better protect Americans here at home from these real threats. These are incredibly dangerous times, but I have confidence that both the Israeli and American spirit can and will prevail over evil." Unquote. I was going to say, I, I could feel one or two of you subscribe because there's just one stuttering that I could count during that recent speech. So perhaps it really is the cure all along. Time shall tell to see how many it really takes to fix it. Now, in terms of the feedback, that was, again, that was the most popular tweet he's had probably years, ever since I've been following the topics and started the show, certainly. Again, they got 3.3 million views. But is it positive in terms of the feedback? I would say, given historicals of the Republican Party, that's very much in line with the traditional take that most Republicans have and having that pro-Israel Israel stance. So I would think the people who are already following DeSantis, they would be further emboldened to choose him as a Republican nominee, and they would be quite receptive, and they would be very supportive of this statement. However, we shall find out. Of the 3.3 million people who tuned in and they viewed that blurb or that tweet, although some people, I guess, call it a post now because it's not called Twitter, it's called X, but nevertheless, 
27.1 thousand people did like that tweet. In terms of responses, there are... <laughs> this tweet, the winner of the responses may very well be Trump. I say that because if I go in the comments, somebody by the name of Freedom, who... I want to say get They don't get an A. They get an A plus for a name on the Twitter and advertising because their picture is of the American flag for a profile picture. And the Freedom, their name, also has a picture of an American flag and a bald eagle. Although perhaps we give them an A minus because they forgot one of the most important flags of all, which is the Texas flag. Still pretty good though. Now, he said, quote, bring back Trump. And it's a picture of Trump with a kind of like an Uncle Sam caricature where he has the hat and the suit. And he says, Trump was right about everything. And that got 1,140 likes out of 40,000 views. So first response to Ron DeSantis is very pro-Trump. What about the second? Very, very, very pro-Trump as well. This person by the name of Josephino says, quote, America needs to Trump bring back the peace president. It's time for Ron DeSantis to endorse Trump, unquote. He got 962 likes. Let's see here. Somebody named Faith Lynn says, quote, as a, as a Christian, I expect you to not escalate the conflict. Please refrain from provocative rhetoric. You can lose me if I find a voting solution is not the objective, but using this to get a popular vote, unquote, getting 45 likes. Someone also tweeted a meme of, or just a picture. I think meme is usually pejorative, now that I think about it. But nevertheless, this person did have a picture of Trump that had text and said, four years, zero wars. That comes from Chasey Ann, and she got four likes. Somebody name of V Par says, quote, now that's a, again, some, some of the grammar is so bad, I have to double check. And I'm trying to read it exactly as written. So that's why it is sometimes a little cumbersome. Though not as cumbersome as most speeches from the U.S. White House. But nevertheless, Mr. V Par says, quote, now that's a statement a real leader is makes. We need his leadership now. DeSantis never backs down, unquote. Getting 166 likes, so looks like the positive comments are starting to seep through the top. Drew Mavin said, quote, looking very presidential, sir, unquote, getting 45 likes. Someone by the name of Raf saying, thank you, Ron G. Bless you, unquote, getting 35 likes. Let's see here. Miss Maldino saying, quote, get Trump back now, unquote, getting 38 likes. Someone by the name of Lynn Van saying, quote, stand with Israel. Unquote, getting 19 likes. Someone named of Walter Wind saying, quote, why exactly is Israel one of our greatest allies? Unquote, getting 24 likes. Somebody name of Earth to Rose saying, quote, name three things Israel has done for America. Unquote, 68 likes. And I have to put an asterisk. She didn't say for America. She said poor America. Which, again, why more websites are going to spell check is beyond me. I know a lot of people can use it as a crutch, but there's a nice convenience factor to being able to spell check before you tweet. How that isn't a feature already is beyond me. In terms of a comment, I would say Elbit Systems is probably one of the biggest benefits to the United States. They're the Lockheed Martin of Israel, and they who they are the company in which we collaborated with 
in order to create the F-35 Lightning II in terms of that's one of the most important pieces of our military right now. So I think there's a lot of military benefits. Let's see here. All right, we, get, we got another pro-DeSantis, somebody named Janine Kernan saying, quote, a lot of people are showing up with empty rhetoric. DeSantis has analyzed the situation and put forth a plan of action. Meanwhile, Biden and Trump are rambling and taking half days. We need an actual leader leading the free world or it will rapidly become less free, unquote. Person got 149 likes. So, pretty darn good. Let's see. Libertarian Party said, quote, Israel is our ally like Ukraine is our ally. It's not a useful relationship. It's an entangled allegiance that siphons billions of dollars annually from, from America's for no benefit at all. Not a single additional taxpayer money for Israel or Ukraine, unquote. We got 1,694 likes. As the youth might very well say, that is ratio to say the least. Or they perform the ratio. Either or, you understand what I'm saying, hopefully, maybe, perhaps. Let's see here. Someone by the name of David saying, quote, who gave $6 billion to Iran, unquote, getting 49 likes. That, yeah, the U.S. government did, yep. Let's see here. Kappa Fanton saying, quote, notice also how Ron manages to make a distinction and maintains it between Hamas and the people of Palestine, while also reiterating our commitments towards our friends, as all state leaders and everyone else, for that matter, should. And she goes on for a little bit while longer, saying, quote, The people of Palestine are able to make the decision whether to remain a Hamas member or sever themselves and their attention from a regime that encourages terror, like plan for random kidnapping and rape, our words. That's an offer that as... That's an offer as well as a stern warning that marks of a ferret leader, unquote. Grammar be damned, we got the message out. And she did get 111 likes for that specific comment. So overall, let's see here. Oh, someone actually did say, Josh Power saying, quote, this guy needs to be our president, unquote, hashtag to 2024. He got 685 likes. So, let's just say... It looked, I would say, to, uh, I'd say the like ratio is about the same or in terms of the positive responses from Ron DeSantis. I'd say, I'd say that they're, they're about the same as usual. They got a lot of people who really want Trump back. There's a couple of people who are very supportive of DeSantis. And of course, you have a couple of people who really are unsupportive of him. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, it did go viral. A lot of eyeballs saw this tweet. It'll be interesting to see how this helps him or hurts him in the upcoming polls. As I would say, time shall tell. Other interesting political news you have Vivek on Lowry Crowder discussed trimming the fat from the FBI. And to be sure, there's a lot of fat that can be trimmed. Now, in terms of the text before the actual video, and again, I appreciate your patience as we try to find a new solution for a picture in picture software, production software to be specific, so we can do it in actual production and not post production. I've tried a couple, but keep having some issues. So if you have a suggestion for a new software suite, please let me know in the comments. Currently using OBS software for the recording and it's open source. I'm trying to find a solution where we can do that picture in picture so you can see the videos in which I'm referencing. So I appreciate your patience and feedback as we make the show better together. Now, in terms of the actual text before the video, 
from Vivek, he says, quote, the FBI has 35,841 person staff. 56% of the bureau that are professional bureaucrats should be fired immediately. Just 44% of the FBI employees are special agents and intelligence analysts. These 15,770 specialists should be reassigned to serve under the narrow focus of under other federal law enforcement agencies doing so the same specialist work, unquote. I was going to say, that is quite a lot of trim to fat to trim. It looks like he's talking with a couple of the crew at Lauder Crowder, in addition to the, you know, of course, the star of Steve, Stephen Crowder, but it looks like he's also talking with Gerald as well. Yeah, obviously you've had to have like these kind of, okay, like I'm doing some pretty big things. There are going to be some people that don't want me to succeed at doing this, and nobody's been able to successfully do this. Maybe it's because they haven't tried, but there's I mean, somebody like EPA, Party, whatever. Chris Christie has called this the dumbest idea that he's ever heard was to shut down the FBI. I disagree. Yeah. I respectfully disagree. You know, I think that. the dumbest idea I've ever heard is when they found uh, how many terabytes of pedophile pornography on CIA computers that there were no mass layoffs. No. There will never some FBI too. And yeah. yet these are the same apparatus that's supposed to be going after it. Yeah, exactly. On the other side. It's so yeah. disturbing. Like, how about at what point do you say, oh, okay, you cease to exist? Because right. you're committing the grossest and, and, and evil. This is, this is yeah. where other people, and, and it annoys the heck out of me when I see other Republicans, we're going to, I mean, we're going to get in there and fire Christopher Ray and like try to act that's like a gonna, tough guy. Yeah. I mean, what, what is that going to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, come on. You're it's checking headline. That's what it is. That's, that's all. And, and you're trying to use some emotionally, and, and I see these people behind the backstage before the debates, man. It's, I mean, it's <laughs> oh, I really sad. Yeah. But then it comes on, there's a, I will fire Christopher <laughs> Ray. Yeah. And to what end? Because you're going to get James Comey 2.0. Yeah. The machine is what the rot is all about. That is the Leviathan. Now, this is also very practical for me. You can't just offer a slogan and say shut down the FBI. I'm serious about this. 35,000 employees work at the FBI, the failed Bureau of Investigation. It is still, by the way, the J. Edgar Hoover building mm -hmm. that people walk into in Washington, D.C. Can you believe this? It is still honoring his legacy. The same guy who collected tapes and threatened Martin Luther King with suicide. The same guy that's now yeah. going after concerned parents calling them domestic terrorists. Yeah. That's still the same legacy they're celebrating. 35,000 employees. 20,000 of them are bureaucrats in back office functions, which is where the rot and the corruption comes yeah. from. 15,000 of them are agents on the front lines. I say put those agents where they will be more effective. The U.S. Marshals have actually been far more effective in going after child trafficking and related cases mm -hmm. than the FBI has. Fine, move some of the 15,000 there. We've laid out a clear plan to do yeah. this. You know, financial crimes, complex white-collar crimes. People the FBI have no clue what they're doing because the guy who was doing child trafficking today is doing counterterrorism the next day and is doing financial crimes the day after that. There's no specialization anyway. Move them. There's a separate part of the Treasury called the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. So move people to the exact places where they can precisely do their jobs and it's not a coincidence that when you have the loss of that specialization and the over-bureaucratization, that's when you see the corruption. Yeah. So it's not like we're getting happening to get lucky solving two problems at once. The two problems go hand in glove together. The ineffectiveness and the bureaucratic bloat is itself a formula for the corruption. Because yeah. you have a bunch of people showing up to work that shouldn't have been at work. They find things to do that they shouldn't have been doing. Yeah. And so, yes, it's going to take somebody who is willing to get in there and gut it. Incremental reform will not work. No, it won't work. Fire Christopher Ray is a false premise. It is a false lie. You're being lied to, and their their job is to dupe you. They're trying to distract you to make yeah. you feel like they did something, and they didn't. So I got about a quarter million views, and I wonder, will it count to be positive, negative? Let's dive in and find out. 
Now, it looks like somebody named Mark Williamson, quote, here you go again. What precisely are the positions of the FBI, which you are jumping together, lumping together under the label of professional bureaucrats? What job functions do they perform? How do you determine that 100% of them are expendable, unquote? Source got 11 likes. Someone by the name of Witty News Daily saying, quote, Imagine thinking you can fix the FBI staff problem by just channeling your inner Gordon Ramsay and screaming, fire them all. Maybe watch a few more episodes of Kitchen Nightmares before tackling national security issues, unquote. Source got six likes. And subsequently probably worse than the FBI. Maybe. Probably. Let's see here. Someone by the name of David O'Chan saying, quote, A majority of our three-letter agencies are shams, unquote, getting 36 likes. Some by the name of the White Rabbit, which I would say B plus for marketing, just because it seems like it, it sounds like it's one of those homages to The Matrix, one of the best movies ever. This person says it should be used in the right way, not weaponization against America. Unquote, getting 13 likes. Some by the name of Kyle saying, quote, insane what we have our FBI putting most of its efforts into, unquote, getting 10 likes. Somebody named Ricky Mike saying, quote, kind of sounds a lot like school districts to ratio of bureaucrats to teachers who actually do the work, unquote, getting 57 likes. And I think that's actually a very good point and a very good analogy as well. Somebody named Rocco Carvano saying, quote, love this. These are the discussions we should be having. What's crazy is that this thought process is considered a radical concept. This type of thinking is basic management at scale. Organizations need to constantly be challenged and reevaluated based off of size, purpose, and actual accomplishments. The world is not static. We shouldn't expect our government to be. Well, I would, many would argue our government is actually worse than static. It's just kind of like a bloated American getting bigger and bigger and bigger over time without actually improving any of the metrics, unfortunately. Probably should be changed sometime. Somebody named Riata Michelle saying, quote, most all government agencies could get rid of about half of their employees and still manage to function, unquote, gain 22 likes. Let's see here. A lot of, lot of comments are getting between zero and four likes, just all agreeing with Vivek. Uh, okay, we do have a contrarian, somebody named LK111, saying, quote, just stop your comment, unquote, getting four likes. So a couple, couple contrary. But as a, yeah, a lot of one or two. A lot of the people saying them, then the IRS, go after them too. A lot of people just saying there's waste everywhere. You trim the fat. So it'll be interesting to see if this resonates with the American people. Now, the downside in terms of the politics and the moves on the political chessboard, if you're going against the establishment or the government employees, one of the largest employers in the U.S. is the government. So with that plan of attack, that's basically, and don't get me wrong, in terms of the metrics on how they usually vote, those people will predominantly usually vote Democrat because Democrats traditionally increase the budgets for public sector, so they're voting to give themselves a raise. So... It's not as if, well, I would say, it's not as if he's giving up that whole segment. But I guess a good point of contention would be that segment was never going to be with them, kind of like United Auto Workers. 
for decades they've been voting in and people politically speaking who are left-leaning or more Democrat. They've ever, as far as I can tell, ever did a public endorsement of a Republican nominee or actually, actually, you know, paid and did funnel money for those types of campaigns. It's quite the opposite. So it'll be interesting to see if this increases the votes for them or is this going to increase your outlook of Vivek or do you think it'll decrease his odds of getting elected? It'll be interesting to see, but in terms of the comments, I'd say overall still, well, although there's not many views as usual, still overwhelming, yeah, overwhelming majority support of Vivek. So it'll be interesting to see. Let me know in the comments. Does this increase your respect for Vivek or do you think it's a good idea for him to campaign on this? And is this something that would help out our country? It'll be interesting to see, but it'd be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Ford announcing a recall due to a drive shaft because it might break. Now, specifically, they are recalling 238,364 Ford Explorers because the rear axle mounting bolt on some of the models may fracture and cause the drive shaft to disconnect. Which, geez Louise. Uh, again, I don't know who's doing their quality control. It is a very, very complex thing to manufacture an automobile. There are quite literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of components and parts that go into it from a myriad of manufacturers. It's not just the one company making everything in-house, but you really got, I don't know, they just need to test the parts better or put them through the, I mean, put it through a torture test more because we're having more and more of these issues when it comes to Ford. Well, I should say more and more, more than average, which I would say many saying something. Now, according to the National Highway Traffic Association, a disconnected drive shaft can result well, I was going to say, we don't need to know. I guess perhaps if you don't know anything about automobiles, you might need this explanation. But in terms of, it is funny that the NHTSA had to clarify this. Although, this government agency, they have to perhaps prove they need to be around. And they say, quote, a disconnected drive shaft can result in a loss of power. Or a vehicle rollaway if the parking brake is not applied, unquote. Which, again, yes, drive train is how you drive. Just look. I was going to say, a simple engine diagram or diagram of a vehicle would tell you that, but just the word in and of itself, if you think about it, makes sense. But thank you for your tip, uh, NHTSA. Now, they also claim that, quote, either of these scenarios can increase the risk of a crash, unquote. Really? You don't say, government entity, if I lose the ability to control the speed of the vehicle, it may increase the odds of a crash? Thank you for your service. Your funding has surely been well spent. Uh, see, that was a joke. Now, they continue to say that dealers will replace the subframe bushing and the rear axle bolt. They will also inspect the rear axle cover for the damage near the bolt hole location and replace the new cover if any damage is found. Now, Ford did claim that they are aware of 396 reports of rear axle bolt failures, which they correlate to less than 5% resulted in a roll in park or loss of power condition. The company also said it was not aware of any reports of accidents or injuries related to the issue, and it does cover model years 2020 to 2022. Now, it's also one of those issues where it is, of course, thankfully, no one is injured from this type of recall yet. And, of course, it's the manufacturer. They're going to fix it for free. You just got to take it to the dealership like most recalls to begin with. But to have their name in the news so often with all these recalls. And again, the competition is fierce. There's a lot of options these days for automobiles and many of them are more reliable on average. It'd be interesting to see if this changes consumer perception when it comes to their SUVs, which again, that's the most important part of the business is SUVs and trucks. 
because those are the most profitable vehicles that are sold in the United States on average. So it'll be interesting to see if this slows down their sales cycle a little bit or maybe decreases sentiment around the company. It'll be fascinating to see, but I always say time shall tell. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Don't forget, we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October. So if you could click that subscribe button, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, the feedback is greatly appreciated. If you put comments in the videos, I always try to get to them as soon as possible and try to take that feedback to make the show better and better for everyone. Also, if you take the time to like the video and share the video, video that's supposed to help with the YouTube algorithm. Hard to say how they program it these days, but if you do those things, I greatly appreciate it. Lastly, and also, don't forget to take the time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.